Welcome to the HelloFlow podcast, a space where we bridge together professional success and career alignment with personal well-being. I'm your host, Casey Cunliffe. Join me in conversations around driving your career while also being mindful of your overall well-being at a time when many people are awakening to their soul's purpose and navigating that messy but magical middle i offer this space for personal and professional growth and alignment and a place to ground and support you in your daily grind after tuning into this podcast i hope you receive the empowering counsel and actionable tools to usher in more ease and flow in your life and equip you as you discover, develop, and evolve your dharma. Now on to the episode. This week, I am so excited to host two very special guests, Dana Stiles and Shayna Cornelius Nichols, co-founders of Day Luna. They are human design experts, best-selling authors, spiritual teachers, and podcast hosts. Through their soul-centered business, Dana and Shana specialize in the realm of self-purpose and conscious entrepreneurship. They have worked with thousands of clients worldwide and have trained many individuals to become readers themselves. In fact, they are my personal human design counselors and teachers. I went through their in-depth and comprehensive reader training and the Advanced Variable Primary Health System program, and as a result, have been endorsed as one of their recommended readers. In this episode, we get to know Dana and Shana before they became two leading voices in the spiritual and human design spaces, where they were both working in corporate traditional careers. We learn their influences and indicators that led them to ditch their rising corporate careers and big opportunities that were presented to them in order to follow a new way of living and being that was in more alignment to what their body was telling and showing them, driven through a fascinating system called human design. We also get a quick overview and preview of some of the basic and foundational elements of this system. So if you're into archetypal systems, personality frameworks, or anything in the spiritual realm to get closer to your soul's truth and way of being, you will love this episode. So without further delay, let's begin. Welcome to the HelloFlow pod, Dana and Shana. Hi, thank you so much for having us. We're so excited to be here. Yes. And for everyone listening, if you don't already know, um, Dana and Shana are two very special guests because they are my personal human design counselors and teachers. And I think they are amazing human beings. And they're the ones who really, really helped me fully understand the human design system. And they also come from a traditional career background. And so as we talk um, on this podcast about how we can make authentic pivots in our career that also aligns with who we are, I thought it would be great to bring Dana and Shanna on to talk about their personal background, their influences, and how they've pivoted into their business and how we can use human design as a system to help us individually and as a collective um, to get closer to our truth and to make more authentic pivots in our lives. So I'd love to begin with um, both of you sharing your career background and how you started, um, any upbringing influences, and then what led both of you to start Day Luna together. Yeah, I love this topic. And thank you for um, creating space for us to share this. 
career is such a important part of our lives that we don't, um, I guess we talk about, right. But we don't give it the credit that it's due or like the attention that it needs. We just kind of like find a job and then we work in that job. And then we stay in that job because we need money and because our family depends on us and because it's too scary to leave. And it's the majority of where we spend our lives are in our career. It's not with our family. It's not with our kids. It's with our coworkers, with our boss, with the clients that we're emailing, like most of our day is spent in work. So it's so important that we talk about like, is your work aligned for you? Is it actually helping you live your purpose and feel fulfilled and providing for you, not just financially, but emotionally, mentally, spiritually. And so thank you for just having the space to talk about this. And for me, um, you know, my background, well, I grew up in a family where my dad was very career focused and he was always working. He worked in the government, um, in the space programs with NASA and he is, is a black man. And he started from the ground up. Like he did not have a degree. He started as a janitor and he literally bullshitted his way through and he could talk the socks off of anyone and um, keep up with these brilliant minds that they didn't even ask him about his degree as he was working his way up. And so career was a big thing in my family and working hard was a big thing in my family. My dad told, always told me like, once you turn 18, like you're out of the house, you are having your own job. We are not supporting you any longer. And I'm not saying that that is um, healthy, but it definitely was the background that I came from. So when I went to college, I had a million scholarships. I applied to like a a ton of different scholarships um, to mostly pay for my own college. And then I worked two different jobs all throughout college. Um, I've literally worked as a bartender, as a waitress, as um, like a hostess, a clerk, as a nanny, um, a caregiver. I've worked every type of random job out there. And um, it led me to, you know, graduating college and getting into a more corporate field where I became this director of operations and kind of similarly to my dad, I started off as an assistant and then I worked my way up and, um, was sharing my insight as a projector, sharing my, my genius. And I was working 10 times harder than everyone else there. I was getting these things done that weren't even in my job description. And I worked my way up really quickly to be the director of operations of, for this guy who owned like 10 companies and I was everyone's boss. I was directing everything. I was handling everything and I was traveling the world. It was my first experience, you know, flying first class and getting paid to do these luxury experiences and getting a lot of recognition for how hard I worked and for all the things I can do. And then I found out I was a projector, which for anyone listening Um, A projector is one of the human design types. There's five different types and projectors are designed to work two to three hours a day of hard energy output. And then the rest of the time they're meant to be um, focusing on their fascinations and sharing insight and wisdom. And so finding that out was a shock and um, kind of like a reality check, but everything that I've always felt 
internally, because in that time it felt amazing to be recognized and to feel my ego felt incredible getting all of these accolades, but I was so burnt out. I was dreading every time that I was driving to the office, I would find myself sitting in the office and at 2 PM, like I have to just stay here till five, like a kindergartner in timeout. Like I'm done with my work, but I have to just sit here and pretend that I'm working, even though there's literally nothing left for me to do today. This just feels like fake. It just feels like BS and it's not my life. And so finding out that I was only meant to work two to three hours a day and be super efficient, just so many things clicked into gear. And, um, you know, with, with Dana, she's been my best friend for over 15 years. Now we met in college and we've always felt very similar. So when we found out that we were both two, four projectors at the same time in our career, we just realized everything in our lives needed to change. And speaking for myself, that really meant a lot of my career needed to change. But then the question is how, right? Like, how can you actually work two to three hours a day? Like sounds nice, but how do you actually do it? Right. And it sounds too good to be true, but we just decided for one month, we are going to experiment with living our design. So while I was working at this job for one month, I committed to my strategy and authority, my daily practice of my human design every single day. And within that one month, I had so many opportunities and invitations and things coming my way that made pivoting and shifting out of this career a no-brainer, made it um, 10 times easier and realistic for me to do. So human design literally set me free from a career path that was stoking my ego, but was literally killing me physically. And it just started my whole career within this realm where I literally for the last week and a half have taken a nap anytime that I want. I have arrested. I haven't answered one single email in the last week and a half because I just decided that I didn't want to. Um, and I'll answer them next week because the world doesn't need to be hustle bustled all the time. And I have literally nothing to prove to anyone now. So you can get there, but honestly, human design for me personally was a game changer because it actually gave me the tools and practices that changed my life. Thanks so much for, for sharing that story. And I didn't realize that you did the one month experience while you were still in your traditional job. And did that impact, how did that impact your day-to-day -day in your traditional job? Yeah. So I told my boss that, um, I wanted to get a lot of work done from home and this was before COVID. This was before working from home was like really a thing. Um, but I just shared, you know, just, I think I'm going to get a lot more done at home. So I'm going to experiment with working from home for this month and see how it feels. And I'll still come two days into the office. And so I would set a timer each day of two to three hours. And I would get done the most time sensitive, important things in those two to three hours. And then the rest of the time, I literally would not work unless I was like researching something or doing something that didn't feel like work. So I should say the first step that I did was take an inventory of what things am I currently doing that feel exhausting and draining and expend my energy. And what things do I feel like I could do all day long because they're fun and they're fascinating and it doesn't feel draining to me. And with that list, then I set a timer and I just did the draining ones for two to three hours and then everything else with the rest of the time. Um, 
And I was able to do that even on those days where I was working in the office, because honestly, nobody notices when you're a projector and you're operating as if you're a man, gen or a generator, you are often the most efficient person in the room. You get 10 times more work done in a day than other people do. So starting to realize, wait, I'm working way less than I was a month ago and nobody notices. In fact, I was getting raises. I was getting like little small promotions like, Ooh, can you do this? And can you do that when I was working less? And so that was the first thing that I did while I was still working there. And then the second part of that was I started writing down, like what within my current work actually fascinates me, like genuinely stokes me. And I found that it was a lot of things with HR, with bringing out the talents of other people that were on our team and promoting them or giving them bonuses, feeling like I was getting to spoil the people that were working on the, in the different businesses and in the teams and, you know, changing their titles or, um, giving them a really cool experience. Like I was so lit up by, by spoiling people and making them feel seen. Right. So I started digging into that. And then the last thing I would say is I really decided for that month, I'm only going to make decisions with my authority, which is your decision-making center in your body and see how it goes and get out of my mind, but really trust that center in my body and see how that lands. And every single decision I made felt so aligned that it then kind of got me on this path to eventually pivoting and quitting and starting my own business and and everything that I've done so far. So yeah, but I did it all while I was still there and literally no one noticed a thing, which I think that's what people think is like, Oh, I have to quit my job first and then I can start experimenting. But I would encourage, I would encourage you to just do it now. Like literally today, after you hang up from this podcast, do the practices now and see what starts shifting in your life. Cause it's all about energy. You don't have to tell anyone, you don't have to change anything. You're working with your energetics and seeing how, if you experience less resistance or more resistance within your day. Yeah, that's really fascinating because you mentioned that all those opportunities were coming to you naturally and it was all within, even still within your workspace. It's not necessarily all coming from you externally, but then as you kind of followed your inner authority and the way that your body and your energy is supposed to work, it naturally shifted. And that the opportunities that were meant for you to kind of, you know, put your energy towards came towards you. So I'd love to, after we go through Dana's story, I'd love to have both of you talk to us about the different types and inner authority as well, because as you mentioned, no matter what you're doing in your career, whether you have your own business, whether you're in a traditional career, whether you're in the medical system, you can experiment today. So Now, Dana, I'd love to have you share with us what your background and upbringing is and what led you to to start Day Luna with um, Shana. Yeah. So with my background growing up, a big thing for me was that both of my dad and my stepdad were both entrepreneurs, owned their own business. And I watched them, you know, be really ambitious, but having this freedom, creating their own life as they wanted to taking months off work. Um, so I really grew up with that in my awareness and my mom wasn't an entrepreneur, but she worked in sales and she had a lot of freedom and she's actually a projector like I am. So without really knowing at all, she worked in this really different way than other people. Like it was not a nine to five setting for anyone in my life. So I think that that really primed my worldview without having a lot of awareness around that. And I went to college and actually studied 
uh, a creative pursuit and got my degree in, in music. And that's where Shane and I connected was at the same college. But after college, I went out with this idea, like I could do anything because I think that's what I, I had really seen and trying out the, these kind of creative pursuits. I, I started a business when I was really young, working around songwriting and just re- very, very quickly. It was like a rude awakening slap in the face. Like one month after I graduated college, I was like, this isn't actually what I want. I'm not going to make any money doing this. Like it was like my whole like childhood fantasy of the work life as an adult just crumbled within one month or maybe two of, of trying out this creative pursuit that I had had in my head from a young child. So it kind of set me into this, like questioning everything. The second I got out of college and like Shana, I had a hundred different random jobs. I also was a nanny and a personal assistant and, you know, worked in different restaurants. And I was just trying anything to provide for myself while I tried to figure out who I was, um, after having this like rude awakening, getting into the adult world of needing to provide for yourself. And that eventually led me to really sitting down with myself and saying, okay, what is important to me? What kind of job do I want? And I knew that I wanted to feel successful and, you know, like in creative pursuits, that just like, wasn't actually in alignment with what I wanted. I knew I wanted to feel successful. I knew I wanted to help people. I knew I wanted a job that sounded impressive on paper, if I'm being honest. And this is from like, you know, the mind of like a 24 year old and through that, uh, just mental deliberation, I decided to go back to school and become a behavioral therapist for kids on the autism spectrum. And for me, that actually was close to what I really felt my soul wanted to do. I knew I wanted to help people like that was very clear to me. So I went back to school and got into this corporate job working as a behavioral therapist. And I was really, really good at it and excelled right away. So kind of the same story as Shana, but for me, it was such a huge change, this job from other jobs I'd had in the past. And I think my ego liked that about it because it seemed really professional and corporate. And I had to wear really professional clothes and I wasn't allowed to wear jewelry or show any tattoos or piercings. They were very, very, very strict about how you're showing up and like your professionalism. And at first I think I I liked all of that because I felt like it was important. It made me feel important when I had been struggling so much to find out who I was. And, um, in that job, uh, I did like certain parts of it, you know, like Shana, I really quickly could see I'm really good at helping people in this way. And I'm really good at creating systems in this other way, making things easier and more efficient in the communication realm. And so I really thrived in this job and I liked my ego, liked the way it sounded important and looked important on paper. However, internally, same as Shana, I was feeling exhausted. I was feeling like I was playing dress up in someone else's life, you know, literally in someone else's clothes. And then I would get home and put on my real clothes. And a lot of people do that. And maybe that's okay for some people. But for me, it felt like I was putting on a mask and then taking it off and getting to be my real self. And as I continued to develop as a person, I felt like 
who I am was on such a different path than who I was being at work. It was this feeling of all the people at work really liked me. My boss really liked me, but I felt like, yeah, but they don't really know me. They don't even know what clothes I dress in or my hobbies or my interests or that I'm a creative person. I was getting really into meditation and sound healing. And I was wondering if I could bring that into my therapy sessions with my kids. And that was so against the rules. It was so tight and strict and, um, you were only allowed to even say sentences that were pre-scripted and approved by some corporate higher up. So it was a very, very controlled and rigid setting. And so for me, it just was, it became exhausting to feel like I was, I finally found this thing where I felt important and I felt like I was helping people, but it just limited my freedom on all, on all sides. And it made me feel so drained to know that I was going to have to show up again the next day, putting on that mask, pretending to be something that I'm not getting all of this credit for being good at it, but internally just feeling this soul disappointment of like, I've, I've put in all this effort and I still feel exhausted. I still don't feel like myself. I still feel like this is not my purpose. So it was at that time that um, Shayna was having a similar experience in her job. You know, we had stayed best friends all of these years after school, trying these different things and then finding ourselves both in this kind of more corporate realm. And we both would call each other on the phone. Like, I feel like I did everything right. I feel like I'm so successful on paper. Why do I feel this pit in my stomach when I have to think about going to work tomorrow? And, you know, that really led us to this feeling of this unknown. This is not it, but I don't know what is it. I don't know what I'm searching for or what I'm looking for or why this feels so draining or, um, just off for us. So that led us to learning more about different systems that could give us answers, reading books from wise people, um, getting really into personality assessment and astrology. And that led us down to human design. So it was really kind of like this soul searching because of our careers that led us to human design. And that led us to understanding that we were the same energy type. And just together, we decided, even though we still are in these corporate jobs, we're both going to experiment in this way and use this uh, strategy and authority for one month and see. So just like Shana, I was still working my corporate job and was choosing to work less. So I would tell my higher ups, like I'm only taking on two to three sessions a day and I'm not going to do more than that. And they were like, really, are you sure? Like, and I was like, yeah, apparently, cause this is what I'm doing. And actually when I quit working as much and gave myself more space, that's when they wanted to give me a promotion and pay for me to go back and get my master's and become like a supervisor for others. And so it was a huge test for the universe. It's like, I started doing this thing and then this amazing, I put in quotes, opportunity came to me, but I knew I'm trying to get away from this soul sucking work that's draining me. And that doesn't feel like me, but instead I was given an opportunity to advance. And everyone in my life was like, you're crazy if you turn down them paying for you to get your master's. And I was like, yeah, but that's just, it's not me. It's not what's going to make me happy. It's not what I am actually wanting to do. So it took a lot of bravery to say no to the amazing new thing that came to me that I only, I knew it wasn't right for me. Everyone else thought I was crazy. No one else saw it. So I think that that's a big lesson for anyone is 
we're always going to have external opinions about what you're doing. And so much of our decision-making, especially for me at that time, I made my decisions based on what I thought people were going to think of how the outcome was. And it was just getting real with myself. Is this actually what I believe I'm here to do? Is this how I want to spend my days? Is this the way that I want to show up in the world or not? And for me, the answer was no. And being really brave and um, quitting that job instead of taking this opportunity that sounded so good to everyone else. That was actually the catalyst for a lot of life expanding change that led us eventually to creating our own business. But at that time we had no idea what we were going to do. Shane and I, we just knew what we are currently doing is not it. And it took a lot of bravery, a huge leap of faith to make a change when you don't know what the future is going to hold for you. But I am so, so like endlessly grateful that we were able to make that shift because like Shana's saying, our career is such a huge part of our life. Being able to create a career where you do feel like it is an integrated um, connection with who you really are versus being someone else and, you know, severing yourself into your work self versus your true self that you get to be on nights and weekends. That I think is something that is soul crushing for anyone. And unfortunately, so many of us have felt that way or are feeling that way now. Um, so my big, my big journey with work was actually the most transformational thing in my life in general. For some people it's with their relationships that transforms their life. For me, it was career that set me on a whole transformational journey. Yeah. Same. And I just want to say that, you know, you don't have to go start your own business to be living your purpose. Um, you can absolutely find a job where you feel seen and where you feel valued and where you feel lit up and excited to show up every day. Um, we're so taught collectively that everyone hates their job, that everyone gets the Sunday scaries and it's work for a reason. Nobody likes it. And those are just more labels to keep you stuck, to limit you, to put you in a box. And they're comfortable, right? Because there's this camaraderie in it of like, yeah, work sucks, huh? Like, so I'm getting the Sunday scaries and you feel this like secondhand benefit of being able to feel like you belong or like you're connecting with your coworkers or with your friends and family, um, over this shared sense of work sucks. Can't like, let's party on the weekends. Like can't wait for Friday night. And knowing that, yeah, you can definitely chug through life in that way. But like, why? Like literally why? Because everything that you do is a choice, no matter what, even if you're not making an active choice, that inaction is a choice. And everything that you do creates change, whether you're trying to create change in someone's life or create an impact in other people's lives or not, you choosing not to is impacting your kids, your friends, your family, your coworkers. So if, if you're going to be impacting the world, no matter what, if you're going to be taking action, no matter what, if life is going to be scary, no matter what, then why are you spending your energy on things that are not lighting you up and making you feel purposeful and taking a risk in a way that's going to serve you versus taking a risk in a way of, of limiting yourself because you're taking a risk by working a job that you hate until you're 75, just because it's safe. Because then the risk is that at the end of your life, you're going to have a lot of regrets and you're going to feel like you missed out on living, which is the whole reason why you're here. So it's a risk. Life is a risk. Being alive is a risk and it's your choice to liberate yourself or not. And of course, 
there's so many factors, right? Like privilege and access to different things in the world, um, different opportunities in the world. But this moment right now where you have breath in your body, where you have energy, like your energetic body, you have everything you need in this moment to change your energetic frequency just a little bit more to attract something to you that is in more alignment for you. And I'm not saying it's going to change overnight, but you're always empowered to make change in your own life. Even with just closing your eyes and taking a breath and feeling your body, that small action of having awareness of what your body is actually feeling in this moment versus just being stuck in your mind all the time, that small action is shifting something. It's changing the world. It's impacting something, whether you realize it or not. So I just want to encourage anyone listening who feels like it's just impossible. Literally, there's so many possibilities accessible to you right now in this moment, just with your breath and your energy alone. Thank you for sharing that. And I think, you know, one of the big things coming out of it, and Dana, you mentioned bravery is just being courageous and being courageous means taking courageous actions. And a huge part of that journey is knowing yourself. So Dana, when you mentioned, you know, self-discovery, personality tests, reading all the books, I think so many people, and it's not just now, even, you know, over time, that is part of personal development. And human design is one of the systems that can help all of us understand each other on a certain level where it takes us out of our heads, our minds, as you mentioned, Shana, and helps us go into our bodies. And I think that's what I heard from both of your stories is you felt, well, you know, what is my energy? Like I, on paper, I'm very successful on paper. I have a great job to show, to show the world but I don't feel like it is something I want to do on a day-to-day basis. My body doesn't feel like I have the energy to create this output, but also just soul-wise, is this what I'm supposed to be doing or do I truly enjoy it? So those were sort of the themes I heard across both of your stories. And interesting to hear that, Shanna, you can't, your upbringing was more traditional where you saw your dad in a more traditional you know, ladder corporate environment. And then Dana, your upbringing was, oh, you, you were able to see that entrepreneur, entrepreneurial type life. Um, but you still kind of dipped your toe into corporate anyways, and, and saw the other side as well. Um, so I think what would be great for everyone listening is, especially if you're new to human design, the first thing I'd say is to get a free human design chart you can run it on either of our websites. I will put the links um, in the show notes to see not only your chart, but also what your type is and your profile, your inner authority. It has all of the things in there. Um, So I'd love to hear from both of you because you mentioned a projector. And so if you're new to human design, you're hearing what? You you only need to work two to three hours a day. (laughs) What does that mean? Can you talk a little bit about a projector and then how does that compare to the other types and then how we can experiment with our energies, no matter what career we're in right now? Yes, absolutely. So the first thing I wanted to say is you're, you hit the nail on the head. When we have these big moments in our career, we teach, we search for answers just like we did in that story. And 
I looked at so many different systems. I read so many different books. Like we were reading Tony Robbins and just, you know, everything we were looking at all different things. And it was really interesting because we experimented and dabbled with many different systems. And when we found human design, it just hit us like a ton of bricks. It was like a game changing moment. So for me personally, and then experimenting with it, I felt like this is the most helpful thing that has so much specific answers for me. And that's what I fell in love with about human design is that it is extremely practical and extremely specific. And those were things that were really supportive for me at that time. So when we talk about human design in general, it's a very, very complex science. Now, what we want to share is the most foundational and simple part of human design, which is the five different energy types. Now this is described like if you think about your body being like a vehicle that moves you through the world, think about the five different types of cars. There's like a diesel truck and then there's a regular gas and then there's a hybrid and then there's an electric. And if you're putting diesel gas in an electric hybrid, you know, whatever that is, it's going to make your vehicle fall apart on the road. So a lot of us are doing that. We're putting the wrong gas in the wrong vehicle because we see other people that have a different type of vehicle. And then we're wondering why our vehicle is breaking down and why our check engine light is coming on every day. So that was what was happening for Shana and I, you know, we were trying to live the way that we were seeing other people live. We were trying to use our energy in that way. And it was like, no matter what I do, no matter how many supplements I take, no matter how many workout classes I go to, I am just feeling completely burnt out. So with human design, it's a lot about your energy levels, right? And your, your physical body and the energy that's in your physical body. There's also a whole side of human design that gets into your personality and your life purpose and your specific gifts. So it's very all encompassing. And that's because human design is actually this synthesis system that is synthesizing lots of different ancient modalities that have been around for thousands and thousands of years and synthesizing that with modern science. And that was something that also really st stood out to me. Any ancient system that's been around for thousands of years, it's withstood the test of time. And for me, I'm a very skeptical person. So it was like the fact that someone didn't just create this, it, this has been a you know, uh, many systems that have been valuable or meaningful enough to stick around for this long. Instantly that gave it a lot of credibility to me. And then being able to show these ancient systems with modern science and to be able to learn about neutrinos and different particles and, and the way that consciousness travels through the universe, getting into quantum physics and our connection with our DNA and our genetics, like that whole realm to me was so fascinating. So I just wanted to preface that human design is extremely complex. And now we'll dive into the most simple foundational things, the five energy types. Um, like I was saying, those five different kind of vehicles, there are projectors, which is what Shana and I are. And projectors are approximately 20% of the population, less than that. So they're more rare and projectors have inconsistent energy levels. So while they can have energy to work on things, it's not a consistent amount. Even if they're in love with what they're doing, they're so lit up by it. They only get a certain amount of fuel. And that is to help them work about two to four hours a day on average. And, um, projectors are very empathetic to other people. They're really gifted at seeing others and they have a very psychological mind. They're always looking into the other, peering into the other, wanting to understand other people's perspectives. And they're able to be 
uh, fueled off of other people's energy. So when a projector is around others, they're so sensitive. They're so connected to the other, they can take in that energy and fuel off of it and feel really energized. But at the end of the day, that's not consistent for them. So as a projector, you're really not here to do as much as other types are to create or to build because you only have so much energy. You are much more here to see the other and to guide the energy use of others. That is what your energy is really helping you to do is to peer into the other and be able to give really solid advice. So a lot of projectors make amazing consultants or guides or coaches in some way. It's not that every projector has to do one of those things. There's lots of projectors that are artists or athletes even, but it's just saying that overall their energy is wanting to guide the energy use of others and the strategy for projectors that helps them come into greater alignment and experience more ease in their relationship is actually called waiting for the invitation. And this means, yes, they're here to guide others. They're able to see others. And they're so curious with that psychological mind about others. But if you're trying to give unsolicited advice, it's always going to be repelling. So as a projector, you feel like I'm here to guide, I'm here to lead. So how come when I tell my boss what we should change, they get annoyed at me. And it's because you're not waiting for that invitation, waiting for people to recognize the fact that you do have profound insight. You are someone who's really here to guide and make things more efficient for other people. Um, so when you wait for that invitation, then when you give that advice, it can be received with such ease, with such harmony. And that's really where projectors find success. So projectors self beam the theme that they experience when they are in alignment is actually success, but it can feel really trapping. Like how am I supposed to be successful when I only have two to four hours of energy output? How am I supposed to be successful when I'm here to guide people, but I have to wait for people to want me to guide them first. It can sort of feel like a catch 22. So for other types hearing about well, must be nice to be a projector because you only have to work two to four hours a day. Um, every single type has their pros and their cons, their sweet spot and their challenges. It's just the fact that they all kind of function in different ways. So with being a projector, it's very different than being a manifester, which is the next type that I want to talk about. So projectors are here to kind of sit back, to allow people to recognize their wisdom and to wait to be invited before they guide others. A manifester, which is a different type, that is also one of the more rare types, less than 10% of the population. Manifestors are not here to wait and receive other people's recognition. They are here to initiate completely opposite energy, right? They also have a very powerful energy that can be an innovator or a trailblazer, someone who starts new things, who initiates change and is a catalyst for growth in their lives and the lives of others. But they're not here to sit back and wait. They're here to do whatever they want, when they want, because they feel like it. And when they get the inner urge to say something or do something, they're designed to go for it. They're not waiting for anything external to be the right timing at all. And so when other people hear that, they're like, well, I want to be a manifester. That sounds amazing. You can just do whatever you want and initiate whenever you want without having to wait for other people. And it is amazing. It's so powerful, but also there are challenges with this energy type, right? Manifestors have a very powerful energy. Think like a king or queen frequency when they walk into a room and that's happening on an energetic level. Maybe the manifestor doesn't even realize that they have that powerful presence, but they really do. And so because they're so powerful and they're here to create change and they don't have to wait for other people, that manifestor 
manifester can feel kind of energetically scary to people. Like without really realizing it, people feel like they're walking on eggshells around this person because they're so powerful and they're always changing things in your life, right? They are designed to be impactful. So for a manifester, their strategy, that thing that they should experiment with to create more ease and to step into their energy in an easier expression is all about informing. That's their strategy. So telling people, this is what I'm thinking about doing. This is what I'm thinking about changing. This is what I'm thinking about doing next in general in my life or what I'm wanting to create next. And by them informing, they create kind of this open window where people can get on board. They can understand them more. And then their energy doesn't feel so intimidating, if you will. So for a manifester, that is not feel comfortable because they are super independent. They are really, they're wanting to do their own thing. So it feels like slowing down. It feels like a chore to fill people in and to keep people in the loop. But once a manifester starts experimenting with telling people what they're really thinking or wanting to do, everything in your life will change. You become more magnetic. You have more harmony, new opportunities come. And for a manifester, they also don't have a consistent amount of energy. They get these powerful spurts of energy to create, but then they have these rest cycles where they're here to sit back. So they're really good at starting new things, putting a lot of things into motion, but then they don't have the energy to see it through to completion. So that can be something that trips them up. But if they're informing, telling people, I'm super excited about creating this thing, other people can then get on board and get excited to help them finish that project or see that thing through to completion. So for all of these types with the strategy, it really helps you um, in general with yourself, with your own energy and managing your energy levels, but it also helps you connect with other people and create more ease in the way that you're exchanging that energy. Yeah. So you can see how projectors and manifestors are so different. And then there's generators and generators are more common. Um, they have consistent energy that they create every single day. So they're kind of like this battery when they wake up in the morning, they have a full tank of gas, if you will, or a full charge, and they're meant to be using their energy doing things, building things, creating things that they love, that they're genuinely lit up for. And if they are stuck working a job that they hate, which a lot of times happens for generators, they feel so drained. They stop creating that juicy life force energy and they kind of feel like they have to because people pleasing is a big conditioning for generators. Um, because people can feel a generator has energy and that they are capable. So how manifestors have this closed kind of uh, more intimidating energy generators feel very open and enveloping and warm and inclusive and comfortable. And they have this energy to dedicate towards building something or creating something. So that kind of lends itself for other people to feel like they can ask a generator to do something for them or to sacrifice what they're wanting for the sake of the group or for the company or whatever. And that often leads a lot of times to generators feeling like, well, it's not so bad. So sure. Or I, I can do it. So I should do it. And it's so important for generators to start saying no more because that energy that you create when you are in a place of, of like blah energy, like, okay, I could, it's so lackluster. It's giving off that energy to everyone else around you who is a non-energy being like the manifestors and projectors and reflectors in your life. And then they're feeding off of this just blah drained energy. Whereas if you say no, and you focus on the things that your energy has 
your body has energy towards and you feel lit up by, and you feel like, Ooh, I can't wait to hop into this project or email this person or call this person. Um, when you're in that zone, that's the energy that you are then generating and spilling out of you for other people to have more of that juicy, lit up, excited energy in their life. So it's knowing that as a generator, your greatest gift to the world is working on something that you love. That is the number one thing that is going to change the world because generators are more common. If every generator just said no to the things that they don't want to do and said yes to the things that they have energy towards, the world would literally change overnight because that energy affects everyone else around you because your energy is so open and enveloping and inclusive. So for generators, they can find a lot of satisfaction in seeing things to completion in dedicating themselves to a project or a creation. And when they are in the zone with something, they are so present. They are so grounded. They are like locked in. We call that a sacral response. Like your body is like a magnet and it just magnets to this thing. And you are with that thing until it's time to be done. And then you can move on to see like what else is going on in the room or with the day or whatever. Um, so generator strategy to navigate life is called responding. And this really looks like asking like, what's in front of me right now? How does my body feel towards that thing? And can I listen? listening to the energetic response in your body with the different stimuli in front of you. And a lot of generators feel like, well, what if nothing ever comes? Like there's nothing to respond to, but there's literally something to respond to in every moment, a conversation, a text message of the meal in front of you, opening up your fridge, looking outside, like looking at your bed or your bookshelf, literally anything that you put in front of your body, your body then has a, an opportunity to either have energy towards it, which is like a green light or feeling like blah, it's whatever that's autopilot that a lot of times we get stuck in of just going through the motions and living that kind of blah energy or a feeling of dragging through the mud for that thing. Like, Oh, I should answer that text. I should make that meal. I should read that book like that drudging through the mud feeling. And anytime that you feel that drudging through the mud, it's a no for now. Anytime you feel blah, go put something else in front of you. Like go look at your car. Do you have energy towards getting in your car? great hop in and start driving and then see like, Oh, I have energy to stop at this coffee shop or to take this turn. Like let your sacral guide you. It's your body as a generator is always trying to get you to be in the right place at the right time. Because ultimately as a generator, your body is a magnet. It's attracting the right things to you, but you have to listen to your body to allow it to operate that way. And then the next type are manifesting generators, which this is a hybrid of manifestors and generators but they still operate in the same way as a generator does with responding and having that open and enveloping energy. However, the big difference is that manifesting generators are very quick and multifaceted. They want to have many different hats. They want to have many different projects and hobbies. They move really uh, quickly and they want to be extremely efficient. They can get bored really easily. So it's so important that man gens, manifesting generators don't just have one job or one career, one thing that they're doing every single day, because even if they love that thing, they're eventually going to feel bored or they're going to feel stuck. So being able to pivot is so important as a man gen being able to play. It's like medicine and it's just important as a man, Jen, to be informing everyone in your life around, around you 
of the things that you're wanting to do or, or shift from or change to, because people can feel like they get whiplash, like, well, you were doing this, but now you're like quitting this thing and you're going to go travel here. And like, wait, you're going to go to the beach later. Like I thought we were going to make dinner and informing along the way before you take action as a man, Jen, and then listening to your body with just like a generator does. That's kind of the, the magic recipe to create support, um, satisfaction, peace, freedom, play this juicy, magical energy that mansions are here to be. It really comes through informing and listening to your body as much as you can. So getting out of your mind, getting really present, that's going to feel to a mansion like slowing down and like, oh, homework. But when you do, then you get so much clarity about like the next 10 steps you want to do because you're actually letting your body lead you versus your mind trying to figure out what you should be doing with your time. So mansions have so much energy, but like Dana said, all of the different types can be burnt out. If they are doing something that they don't enjoy, it will feel like dredging through the mud. It will feel painful in their body and exhausting. And they will experience that burnout or boredom. Um, and then the last type are reflectors. So these are about 1% of the population. There are human design unicorns and reflectors have zero definition in their chart. Meaning when they pull up their chart, every single center they have is white and they are like the chameleons where they are meant to reflect their environment or the people around them and show what is working, what isn't working, what's healthy, what's unhealthy, what's toxic, what's connective. And so really reflectors are here to gauge the health of our work, of our environments, of our people. So reflectors really can do anything because they're reflecting their environment. So if they're around a lot of people who are loving what they do, they're going to feel like they love what they do. If they're around people that are unhealthy or feel stuck, they're going to feel unhealthy and stuck. And for reflectors, you know, obviously there is a sense of self within being this very open chameleon. And that comes through emptying out each day and letting yourself release all the different things that you picked up for the day. And then the next day asking, okay, who am I today? Letting yourself be a whole new blank canvas. And if you're feeling like you're stuck in your life or you're feeling unsupported or unlit up, go be in a different environment. Like go to a new coffee shop that you don't normally go to take a different way home that you normally don't. Um, Go, you know, look at different jobs and see if maybe something there feels aligned for you. Because when you shift your environment, you're going to notice so many things shift in your life and internally as well. Um, so re reflectors are lunar beings, meaning they shift and are impacted by the moon. And when it comes to making big decisions, this is their strategy. They are meant to operate on a 28 day lunar cycle, meaning to check in every day and say, okay, who am I today? What was I today? Let me empty out and start anew. And at the end of that 28 days, they're going to have a lot of clarity because they're going to cycle through all of the different human design types, being a manifester or a generator, a man, gen, or a, flex, a projector. And by the end of that 28 days, they'll then have this clarity of like, okay, I felt a lot of things. And now at the end of this, I feel this sense of knowing this is what I want to do, or this is what's right for me, or this is unhealthy, or this is really healthy. And that can help guide their decisions with what environments and what people they want to be around. So we can all look to our reflectors as a collective 
to see like how healthy something is or how aligned something is. Because if a reflector is struggling or unhealthy, that means something's off. And how can we take accountability to shift things or for that reflector, them shift things themselves, like go to different environments to then, you know, experience a better experience in this life. I can like discuss and hear about the five energy types for hours because it's so much more than, you know, what we're squeezing in this short period of time. Um, But I feel like even if you know your energy type, you can make these small adjustments in your day and feel the shift. So one of the things that as, as both of you were describing the five energy types is that the energy types feed off each other, or we're all, we're all one, all of our energies, because it's, it's really about our energy, our energetic being. And the types is, is really tied to our energetic aura and like what the strategy of each type, uh, what informs the strategy of each type. So if you're a projector and you're going through your day to day and for a projector is waiting for the invitation is because your aura is so focused and piercing and penetrating into others that before you kind of offer your advice or your guidance that you need to wait for the invitation and you know we can go through each each one but as for anyone listening is kind of new to human design you can take each of these descriptions that Dana and Shana went through and test it out and see okay let me try and and you know live by my strategy each day and see how that shift can make even in the workspace, because oftentimes if you are feeling a little bit of resistance or things aren't going as smoothly, if you understand your aura and how that impacts others and how other people's aura also impacts yours, you can also make those shifts to, to help with a little bit more ease going through in your life. Yes. And it's so interesting, you know, all of us are so much more attuned to one another than we realize. Like we can all resonate with the fact someone walking into a room and they're in a horrible mood. You just kind of feel their energy, right? Or you're completely alone. And then someone else is there. It feels different. So we do have, we are really more attuned to one another's energy than we even think. And in the workplace, when you do not have good energy between you and a coworker, it is so palpable. You're like sitting at your desk and you can just feel something is off between us. And it, and it completely colors your entire day to have resistance between you and your coworkers or you and your team versus harmony and ease. When everyone is feeling in harmony with one another, you get one another, there's just good energy between you or good vibes between you. It's amazing how well teamwork happens, how much more you can get done, how much less distracted you are when there's good energy. So with human design, it's a very personal journey in that you can experiment with the things that we just said. So if you find out I'm a generator and I am doing a lot of things that I don't love, start checking in. Like what are the things that are leaking your energy? Stop doing one of them and see how that changes your, your energy levels and the way that you feel. So it's a personal journey, but then you can also see the way that people are connecting with me is feeling easier. Now that I've stopped doing this thing that I don't want to do, I thought that would people would be mad at me, but instead you'll find the opposite 
there's more ease. There's more harmony. Um, connections are happening easier. Teamwork is happening easier. So it's really beneficial for your own self, but also for the people in your life to start understanding how your energy works, how you can start just experimenting with using your energy correctly based on that strategy we gave for all five types. And in our business, having a team, it has been the most beautiful journey to understand how everyone is different. Everyone approaches things differently. Some people are here to, you know, give their guidance, but not work so much. Some people are here to, um, use their energy, build, doing what they love. Like just knowing that about our teammates has made us be able to support one another and give each other that time and space. And there's a whole nother layer that you can experiment with, which is decision-making. And we've kind of touched on this briefly, but each person has a unique way of making decisions in alignment with their body's truth, because our mind can get us really tripped up, right? Both Shane and I shared those stories about our old careers where I literally chose that career because of what other people thought I should do on paper. And it doesn't align with what feels right or feels um, good in your body or what feels effortless in your body. So starting to experiment with that too, making decisions in alignment with your inner authority. We won't get into all of them because there's so many, but I just wanted to that's something that you can find on your chart. And then usually a lot of charts will just give you a quick blurb about how you can start experimenting with that. And, you know, for me, for example, I have an emotional authority, which is the most common. Many people listening will have emotional authority. And that means when you're making an important life decision, you're designed to kind of sit with it for a little bit, give yourself at least 24 hours up to a week and make sure that you feel through your emotions and wait till you're emotionally neutral to make that decision. Cause for anyone with emotional authority, if you're in an emotional high, you can, you're more likely to say yes when something's not actually really right for you and vice versa. When you're an emotional low, you're more likely to be like, Oh, I just can't do it. Everything feels too hard. Human design is not going to tell you if something is right or wrong for you. Human design is not going to tell you to want something or to work in a certain field or to love a certain type or anything like that. Human design is going to say, okay, you want this. Here's how you go about doing it. Here's how you go about using your energy correctly to get that thing in that's an alignment for you. And when it comes to your authority, it's going to say, okay, you, ha you have this decision. Here's how you access your truth to know what is in alignment for you or not. So with emotional authority, accessing your truth really looks like making sure you're emotionally neutral and then asking, well, this thing makes, make me happy. Whereas the majority of the rest of the world operates with spontaneity and trusting their gut and not giving them their themselves time. So if someone with emotional authority is trying to help you and says, well, why don't you sleep on it? But you have sacral authority, which is all about being present, trusting that first gut feeling it's going to trip you up because then you sleep on it. And now you feel like, well, I don't know what I want. And now I, I just don't know what I feel. So knowing what your unique decision-making center is, is one of the most life-changing aspects of human design, because it allows you to decipher for yourself what is right for you, what is in alignment, what it is that you actually want in your life. And I think that so many of us struggle with that alone, with making decisions or with figuring out what we do want. And so having this roadmap, these tools that really tell you, try this, experiment with it, see how it feels is so liberating. It's so empowering. And like you said, this is just the tip of the iceberg because we could talk about just one of these aspects, one of these types, one of these authorities for like three years. And so it's helpful to just this, know like, okay, this is just the tip. There's a whole rabbit hole to get into, but the first place to start is pull up your chart, learn more about your type, learn about your strategy and authority, 
just learning those things alone will change your life. Yeah. And I think that, you know, when it comes to systems, because, you know, as Dana mentioned, there's so many systems out there to try to understand who you are personality systems where you're taking a quiz and you're the one that's inputting the answers that how you feel at that moment or in that season of life, or, you know, there's the more popular kind of um, spiritual systems like astrology that, that most of us know of. So human design is sort of new coming, you know, over the last couple of decades that people are starting to really understand what is this system about. And if you know, because it's so many layers and it's so extremely detailed, if you're new to human design, you want to practice it, going through, understanding your energy type, your strategy and authority, and practicing that even for a year or two before you kind of understand your energetic gifts, that can be life-changing in and of itself. And, you know, as when you pull up your, your chart, there's all of these other things that we can get into with the channels and the gates and the centers and incarnation cross and all the different planets, all of that you can, if you want to get a reading by a reader, or, you know, you can self-study, um, Dana and Shanna, you also have a book that you've published recently, um, if someone is first starting to learn about human design, can you tell us a little bit about what's included in that book? Yeah. So our book is called your human design and we get into everything type strategy authority, but we also get into some of the deeper stuff like your profile and a bit about your gifts and your cross of incarnation and the different centers. So there's so much in human design. It can feel like, where do you start? This book is a great place to really understand how to start living your design because a lot of the information out there we noticed, you know, in our own journey is, um, telling you about your design, but it's not telling you how to actually practice living it and lean into the highest expression of your gifts and use it to really change your life. So that's what this book is all about. It has practices, tips, insights, journal prompts, um, you know, daily meditations and rituals and routines recommendations. So it really is this guidebook to help you live your design based off of your type strategy and authority. And, um, you can use it to help your friends and your family as well. We simplified it. We made it beautiful and we made it actually applicable. So it's called your human design. You can get it anywhere. Books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, literally anywhere that you want to. And recently we found out from our publisher that it's in a few different languages too. So if your first language is not English, I think it's in French, it's in Dutch, it's in Chinese. Um, I can't remember all the other ones, but you can go explore. If you'd rather not read it in English, we have a few languages out there for you too. That's amazing. And I, you know, when it comes to gifts and traits, I remember hearing, I think in one of your recent podcast episodes with um, numerologist, Josh, you mentioned the four expressions of the gifts. And I loved how you explained that for human design, that typically when someone's wanting to understand different personality traits, we're looking at, oh, what are our gifts? But really in human design, we're looking at traits and the four expressions, um, Shana, I think you had mentioned, and correct me if I'm wrong, it was the high, low, inner, and outer. And you can yes. get that from human design. Can you talk a little bit about those four expressions? Yeah. So everything, um, in life really, but in human design has a low expression, has a high expression 
and then has an inward expression of how you internally work with this gift and use it to help change your life. And then an outward expression, how you give this gift to other people and help change their life. So understanding like, okay, I have this gift as a leader, let's say, for example, to be a leader and to see a new direction forward. And and I can see, okay, right now we're headed here, but we want to be headed here. So you do this, you do that. I'll do this. We're going to get where we want to go, right? The lowest expression can be not wanting to lead to feeling like you, you know, your conditioning is that that's bossy or it's bitchy or it's you know, not being humble or not being graceful. And so stifling that, not valuing that actually disliking that side of yourself and trying to shove it down. And the highest expression can be really using that to lead people towards a better future and not in a bossy way, but in a genuinely, I want to help us get where we're meant to go. And the inward expression is looking at, okay, where am I going internally in my life? And how can I make things just a little bit better to, to go where I want to go internally on my own spiritual journey or my own mental journey or wherever you're at. And the outward expression is really looking at, you know, this project or this group of people or this business and seeing, okay, where are you headed right now? Where do you want to go? What can we shift to make sure that you get there? So that's just an example, right? There's, there's 64 different gifts, um, that, you know, anyone can have and looking at, okay, have I been embodying the lowest expression or have I been mostly embodying the highest expression? Have I been only using this internally, but I haven't actually stretched into using this externally yet? Or have I only been using this for other people, but I've not actually looked inward to apply this to myself? Um, or sometimes you're using, you know, the highest expression, the outward and the inward, and you notice when you're in the lowest and that's ideal, right? Um, a lot of times there are several gifts that we're naturally already doing that with. And so then it's like, okay, let me really look at the ones that I've been ignoring or that I've been in the lowest expression. I didn't even realize how can I have empowerment to then shift into the highest expression. And that's one of the things that we're the most passionate about is sharing how to actually use this information to shift into the highest expression and notice when you're in the lows. So we get into all of that in our human design reader training in depth of how to actually, um, make it from anywhere you are in your life with any of these expressions to be in that highest expression, using it outwardly and inwardly and knowing when you're in the low. And that's just something we're so passionate about. We could talk about it for a hundred years and we probably will. So yeah, it's really, really fascinating. And so eye-opening and helpful to learn this about yourself. Yeah. And I, you know, what I love about the human design system is that, you know, we, we talk a lot about career here and you can still, you can apply this not only in your career, but in your personal life, in your relationships, you can take a look at your own chart and how does that interact with another person's chart and how those energies interact with each other. And then coming back to the career perspective is there are teams that can use, you know, human design to understand how they can better work with each other, which Dana, you had mentioned earlier before with your, uh, your team, your and Shana's team over at De Luna is really understanding how can we best work together and understand each other individually. So an amazing, amazing tool that is very complex, but is backed by both ancient and modern sciences. Um, it is one of my favorite, favorite tools to, to use for myself, to use in client sessions as well. So thank you, Dana Shana, for coming on and sharing your personal stories and how you pivoted 
into a different career, how human design was a big part of that and understanding who you are and your energy and where you want to use your energy, not what society was looking for you to do and not what would look good on paper. Um, so where can people find you, connect with you, interact with all of the many amazing resources you have? Yeah. So you can find all of our different resources on our website, daylunalife.com. You can also connect with us on Instagram, which is at dayluna. And you can listen to our podcast, the Dayluna Human Design Podcast. Like I said, we have our book, Your Human Design. We also have a membership um, where we meet monthly and we release different human design mini courses each month where you can kind of dive into learning human design. We have an extensive library there and um, it's just a great community to be a part of. And that's your human design besties, which you can learn more about on our website as well. And occasionally we have events and retreats and trainings, in-person training. So um, if you're interested in learning or connecting more in person, you can keep an eye out for that. We'll always be announcing it in our newsletter or on Instagram at Dayluna. Yes, thank you. And uh, I know you had mentioned your podcast. That's how I got to know both of you. It is one of my favorite podcasts out there. So everyone listening, please tune in to Day Luna's Human Design Podcast. And thank you again, Dana and Shana. Thank you so much for having us. What an honor to have Dana and Shana of Day Luna on the HelloFlow pod, getting to know their story and the various experiences they had to go through in their dharmic path before they became some of the world's leading voices in the new paradigm of human design, a complex, multi-layered system that combines both modern and ancient sciences and analyzes the many different layers of your energetic body, including your energetic life purpose and destiny, as well as your personality traits. This system can be used in nearly all facets of your life, not just your career. What I love about this system is how detailed and specific it is compared to so many other systems, including personality tests and other metaphysical systems. A huge theme to our conversation is how human design can serve as a guide in being able to listen to your body instead of your mind or ego, and that you are your greatest authority when it comes to making the most aligned decision for yourself. Not those of others or what we have been conditioned to value in society, the media, and even in our communities. For those of you who are interested in learning more about the system, I am dropping a solo episode where I introduce the human design system in further detail. So tune in if this is a topic of interest for you. And for anyone who is ready to dive in and want to learn more about their chart, I have several offerings, including running your chart for free and eight free articles on my website under Human Design Resource Library. This is a great starting place for anyone relatively new to the human design system. You can learn a lot just by doing these two things completely for free and something that I think would be helpful to do now before getting a reading. That way you can go in deeper into your chart and get the most out of the reading. I also offer human design reading and consulting engagements, including personal single charts, connection charts that includes both personal and business connections, and a 10-month teaching and mentorship. 
I am also starting to offer consultations for teams in professional and corporate settings. As we briefly talked about on this episode, how valuable it can be to not only understand how you can optimize your energy and gifts, but also understanding those who you work closely with. All of my offerings come with a free introductory consultation where I get to know your background and what you are looking to get out of the system. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. If there's anything that resonated with you, please share it on Instagram and tag me at CaseyCan underscore and at HelloFlow Collective. I would love to hear from you. As always, if you enjoy listening to what we discuss on the podcast, please share the show with friends who may also resonate. And don't forget to also subscribe, rate, and review. See you next time on the HelloFlow Podcast.